It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you on a Monday, November 2nd, the LA Galaxy getting a victory over Real Salt Lake, eliminating Real Salt Lake uh, from the postseason. And despite the fact that they should have no uh, no way at all to be into the playoffs, the LA Galaxy are still have a chance. There's a pathway there. I'm not going to say it's a good pathway. I'm not going to say they have a good chance. But there's, there's at least something there. It's the hope that kills you, as they say. Uh, we're going to talk about that. There's coaching rumors, Dom Kinnear. Um, there's some some interesting stuff. Maybe Brian Schmetzer. We're going to talk about that as well. And, of course, getting you ready for the Seattle game. Seattle coming down, and they seem awfully fired up to be playing the LA Galaxy midweek. So, Galaxy have a game on Wednesday, and then one more game against Vancouver up in Portland. Um, the Portcouver game, I believe is what we're calling it, um, where they'll play them. And then, then that's the end of the 2020 season, unless the LA Galaxy is squeaking the playoffs. Well, those playoff scenarios for you as well. To help me do all of it, it's Kevin the Panda Baxter. Kev, how's it going, buddy? I'm just the interim host now. Interim that, co-host. Is, is that what it is? Yeah, I'm just here on an interim basis. Well, it's, I, I agree. I think that's a great plan. <laughs> uh, that, that works for me. Um, I, I don't know about you. Uh, but usually around this time, uh, usually around this time this year, uh, this this time of year, I sit here and I complain about the time change and how we once again t- change clocks and how it screwed everything up and how a game that kicked off at 7.30 last night really kind of kicked off at 8.30. And because of that, it was a very, very late night and it was an early morning and all sorts of fun stuff in between. And then the LA Galaxy... Um, Decided to play the music and the and the crowd noise extremely loud um, yesterday, and I felt like I got out of a concert. So all those things have sort of led to me, I think, being a little cranky today. So uh, despite the LA Galaxy win, despite the fact that they looked uh, much better, more cohesive, much more like a team, uh, I'm probably still going to be angry. So I just I want to warn everybody uh, ahead of time. You, you you feel my pain though, right? Well, you're wimping out though. This was a 7:30 game, and yeah, it was really dark and cold, but. The Wednesday game starts at eight, and I think it's national TV game, so that's about like about eight fifteen, eight eighteen. Um, that's going to be a really late game. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to that game. I will I will cover it from from home, as I've said many times. My wife is an amazing person. She's very understanding. Whenever I want to go to soccer games, I'm just not going to leave her to watch a baby all day and then have me leave and go to a game after that as well. So uh, I will be covering from the comfort of my own home and still complaining about how late I am, uh, staying up and all those funs. This is the the parent talk now. I think I I've officially gone into grumpy parent mode where it's like I have a bedtime. I need to be asleep. Um, and so I think I finished writing last night at about 12.15 or so, 12.30. Uh, and it's always funny because Larry texted me uh, with his article and his follow about 12.15 that time too. So it's kind of funny that we're all just sort of up writing, doing different things. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I don't know what to tell you. Oh, when, when do you think is the last time the Galaxy played a game in November? Um, because they played Sunday. It was November 1st. So that it, was November. Yeah, it was November. I, I've, let's see. It would probably be maybe 2015. 2016, their last game when they lost to Colorado was on November 6th. So it's pretty deep. I mean, and obviously everything shifted this time as well. The, you know, the playoffs are still you know six days away or so, um, even longer than that when you know there's, there's an international break that's coming up in between there. But uh, really the end of the season, this 2020 season, the regular season, is this the latest the regular season has ever, yes. ever finished? Yes, yes. It's, the, it's the shortest regular season and the latest it's finished. It's kind of a double whammy there. It, that really seems counterintuitive. 
but that's the way it is. So this will actually be, and then in 2015, when the Galaxy were knocked out in the first round, that game was uh, October 28th. So this game that they play with Seattle, forget the the poor Coover game, um, these two games will be the latest the Galaxy have played in a season since 2014, the last time they won the MLS Cup. That's uh, that's a long time. Um, so anyway, it, it's all interesting. Let's uh, let's get into this game a little bit. Um, it was a, a, an, an interesting game. Obviously, Dominic Kinnear playing his uh, his interim manager role again for the LA Galaxy. Uh, we had some good press conferences with Dom leading up into this. He talked about how um, just sort of a sad day that it was, um, you know, to to see Guillermo and the coaching staff, and you know, he was very. Um, referential to to Guillermo and, and everybody who was there and understanding that they're not there anymore. So, um, you know, all the right things said by Kinnear, which is what you would expect. Uh, Dom has been here before, which we've told you about, you know, many times. Uh, I, I, I hypothesize that maybe Dom didn't want to be interim Galaxy manager this time because last time he didn't get the job, Guillermo ended up getting the job. And Dom has a way of, of getting results out of teams that have just lost their managers. And you can certainly say that, you know, it's a it's a reaction to everything that's going around, Kevin. I don't think that's a that's an understatement or anything that we can sit there and sort of say, you know, that that it's it's all dominant Kinnear. I do think that there's just a, a matter of uh, the feeling around the, t- the club and, and the understanding that somebody just got fired and they could be next, really. They're all playing for their, for their you know, next contract. They're all playing, you know, to stay in L.A. And so all of these things sort of build up to allow there to be, I think, some some pretty good performances um, you know, in a short sort of period of time of turning things around, I think Dom had him for, for all of a day. So um, wasn't surprised at the result even a little bit, understanding that RSL is not a great team either this year and they were traveling in. But uh, what you what were your sort of big takeaways from, from this game, Kevin? Well, I thought Dom did a couple of, you know, what what he is a very veteran manager who's been around and knows his players. He's a very good man manager, a lot like Bruce Arena. Um, maybe not the greatest X's and O's guy, although he's not bad. But he really knows how to get into people's heads and get the best performances out of them. And I think that was one of the things Bruce Arena was so good at. And, and in fact, David Beckham talked a lot about it. So what you saw with Dom was. You say you only had a, a, a small amount of time with the team. Well, he's been watching this team all year. And I think as a guy who was, was an assistant, assistant coach with the team but used to be a head coach, I'm sure he's sitting there the whole time thinking, here's how I would play this guy, and here's the formation I would use for this team. So I, I think he was ready to hit the ground running. But the two people, um, David Bingham did not have a uh, a busy night in goal. So it was really hard to sort of – judge his performance but mm-hmm. clearly dom went to him and said look you were my guy in san jose you're the veteran guy here uh Klinsman's day is in the future you're back in there you're the guy that's going to take this team to the playoffs and and back you know and bingham came onto the field with a little bit of a strut i thought he looked pretty confident and i think that that was uh you know dom going to him and saying you're my guy but man talk about one guy whose uh, entire season changed you know, was was Pipo Gonzalez. He yeah. uh, that was his best game in a Galaxy uniform. And Dom talked afterwards about how he sat down with people and talked to him. And uh, neither you know neither people nor, nor nor Dom would tell us what was said. But I, I get the impression it was something along the lines of "You're too good to be playing the way you're playing, and if you want to come back and uh, play in MLS next year." You've got three games to prove yourself or you're going, you know, your contract is up and you'll go back and play for a club in Costa Rica somewhere. Um, Whatever it was, he said it worked because Gonzalez was just uh, crazy good. And and maybe it was the move also. It sounds like a minor thing, but it can have major implications where they moved him from one uh, side at center back to the other. 
Yeah, I mean, that is that you, you want to talk about little things that make a difference. And, you know, we can blow this all out of proportion. And, and I think we're going to stay pretty centered on the fact that, you know, this isn't a great LA Galaxy team. They played pretty well through the first 45 minutes, however, um, a really solid, good 45 minutes. But one of the things that they swapped around was they moved Dan Stairs over to the left center back position and they moved people Gonzalez over to the right center back position. And people talked about it afterwards and basically said, yeah, I'm, of course, I'm more comfortable on my right foot. And I would, you know, so therefore I'm more comfortable playing the right center back position. So he was paired over with Julian Araujo. Uh, you had Dan Stairs who, who Kinnear said afterwards, you know, said whenever I think of somebody who's, who's more comfortable sort of passing with their left foot I think that Dan is and so I can even though Dan's right footed you know Dan can still handle the the left footed stuff as well and so I think there was a a comfort level there for Gonzalez and it's something we hadn't seen and you can make a lot out of the fact that he scored a goal and anytime a defender scores a goal that's a that's a good start for everybody so we like that um, but at the same time you know a, a great defensive stand that he made and, and a ball he cleared off the line you know, on a head high bouncing ball that David Bingham did a great job to get some fingertips to as well. I think that's a little underrated on that play is that Bingham's little tip there probably allowed Gonzalez to get underneath that ball and actually clear it off the line um, and save the, uh, save the advantage there. And uh, so you look at those changes, you look at Ethan Zubak coming in and, and starting at the, at the striker position. You look at Yoni Gonzalez actually playing on the right wing. Um, I thought that, that Yoni in his limited amount of minutes, Kevin was, was pretty good, um, was not bad at, at the position. He's, I still don't think he's game fit. Uh, having, no, he's definitely not game fit at all. Yeah. And you can see it. Um, and, you know, you sort of sit there and say, OK, that's fine. But, you know, had a good first half. Again, the Galaxy were great in this first half. So, um, you know, you had Jonathan Dos Santos in the middle with Perry Kitchen and Sebastian Legette sort of being at the tip of that triangle. So playing the center attacking midfield. I thought Legette had a pretty good game as well. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos had a great first half um, that was sort of upended by an injury. We could talk about that in a little bit as well, um, you know, that that hampered his second half and probably shut him down for the rest of the season. So um, there was a lot of positive stuff that came out of this particular game and I think that when you're looking for an LA Galaxy you're looking for a reaction to what happened with Guillermo um, you're looking for um, some more cohesiveness and you know we've we've talked about it and I asked Sebastian Legette about it after the game and I think he agrees and we know that Zlatan Ibrahimovic agrees with this as well is that Dominic Kinnear is very good at giving everybody simple ideas and allowing the creativity to blossom off of those simple ideas. So it's not a complex system. Uh, he's going to give everybody sort of just these general ideas of what he wants, or I shouldn't even say general, specific ideas of what he wants, but to get everybody that, that one target, that one thing that they can focus on. And when they do that, um, you know, within a, a fairly understood system for the LA Galaxy, more of a 4-2-3-1, whenever you look at it, um, you know, w when you can do that, there can be a lot of creativity. There can be a lot of movement. There can be a lot of, you know, uh, scoring opportunities. And what that's what I think you saw from the LA Galaxy is just the understanding of what the general idea of what they were trying to accomplish was uh, to understand how to do that as a team and then to work themselves into good, dangerous positions. Um, for me, it was a a classic Dominic Kinnear coached uh, team that went out there and, and beat RSL two to one. Well, you by the way, how many you know how many shots on goal we all saw Lake had yesterday? How, how many? How many? Uh, let's see. One. They had one shot on goal. Right. In the last, in the game before, when they played Portland, Galaxy gave up seven shots on goal. They gave up eight 
against LAFC. And I'm saying this because, you know, a lot of focus on other things. The defensive effort was magnificent. That it's really, that's really been the Achilles heel for the Galaxy all year. In that Portland game, the 5-2 to two game, they gave up 13 shots, 7 on goal. In the LAFC game, they gave up 27 shots and 8 on goal. And last night, one shot on goal. It was the one that turned out to be the goal. But, um, you know, and, and when you talk about people moving over and the, the success that he has, that doesn't work unless Dan Steris, A, has the ability and the versatility to move to the other side himself and also for him being willing to do that. Yeah, I mean, you have that. I think that when you look at the defense, how solid Julian Araujo was, um, I think, uh, you know, Emiliano and Sua had a very good game as well. Again, you can point across, Perry Kitchen had, an, had a wonderful game. I mean, Perry Kitchen has been somewhat inconsistent throughout the year. I think you can say that, but he's been more up than he has been down. Perry Kitchen has had a decent season for Perry Kitchen. Um, he's still able to play in Major League Soccer. If this is his last year with the LA Galaxy, he will play in somebody else's midfield in Major League Soccer next year if, if the Galaxy don't keep him, um, which, you know, I know some people will bristle and say, that's fine, you don't need him, but Perry Kitchen has played a pretty good season this year for a pretty horrible team whenever you look at some of the results. Um, so you can say that. The one counter, of course, I want to put, and, and the caveat on all of this is that whenever you compare it to the LAFC game and you compare it to the Portland game, Kevin, is Portland and LAFC are, are much better teams than Real Salt Lake is. Um, Real Salt Lake only had one win on the road all year. Um, and so, you know, you, you look at that and say, okay, they're, they're not a great team. They got eliminated from the playoffs in this game, um, which, again, tells you they're not a great team. The LA Galaxy climbed out of the, uh, the bottom of the Western Conference because of this game. Um, so it was two not very good teams playing, and quite honestly, the Galaxy should have had the advantage and... And you were looking for the reaction from them. So, um, you know, overall, I liked what I saw from, you know, a bunch of different things. I think Leggett was was fairly dynamic. And whenever he plays at the tip of that, that, that triangle in the center of the midfield, he's able to roam more and sort of fit in where he wants to go, Kevin. And one of my biggest arguments, you know, about Sebastian Leggett having, you know, one of these great seasons this year is that tactically he seems to get in the way of a lot of people. But when you have a hold up forward like Ethan Zubak and you know Dominic Kinnear went out of his way after the game to to basically signal Zubak out and said you know the work rate and the work ethic that he had was just outstanding um really was was happy with what Zubak gave and and what Zubak was able to do in this game and it, it's not about the offensive side of things a lot but it's about being able to be the safety valve to be able to relieve pressure Zubak hardly ever gets the ball when his back isn't to goal so his job is to stop the ball to hold it down to fend off a, def a defender for a little bit and pass the ball out and maintain possession that gives the defense some time off that gives you know the midfield a little bit of time off and to get to, to work into position so um you know there were a lot of a lot of positives and then you have a guy like christian pavone who basically decided to to win this game kind of all on his own with a with a quick sort of turnover emiliano and sua passing the ball into his uh direction and then pavone basically drilling through uh three rsl players in the second half to get the galaxy up two nothing which was big because rsl would eventually score and get that two one but um just so many little interesting things that happened. Joe Corona came into this game and played. Uh, you had Rolf Felcher come in and Araujo move up into that right midfield spot. I thought Julian Araujo was the perfect amount of aggressive in this game, Kevin. I was I was really excited to watch him play. I knew that RSL was going to have trouble handling him. Uh, I think Dominic Kinnear, his only sort of thing he was looking at was uh, he wanted Araujo to dribble a little bit deeper into the zone and put in some more crosses. Uh, I would say that Araujo's passing was not great in this game, but I liked the positioning and I liked the uh, the aggressiveness, but um, 
you know, this is a Galaxy team that seemed to suddenly put things back together after having not been together for, for a very long time, it feels like. Well, well, you make a good point with Perry Kitchen. And without knowing where uh, everyone's contract status is, I think these, it's fair to say these last three games, including the one against Real Salt Lake, there are a lot of guys playing for their future in two different ways. One is some guys want to, most guys probably want to stay with the Galaxy. But this team is going to be, I I think this team is going to be largely blown up uh, over the winter. They're going to have to make some, some substantial changes. And, you know, in the coaching staff, certainly there are no assistant coaches right now, um, maybe in the front office, but, you know, with the roster too. So, Guys like Perry Kitchen, um, you know, maybe playing for their future. Um, there may be other guys, you know, what is going to happen with uh, Efrain Alvarez, for example. This guy has been the, the second coming for, what, three years now. Do they do they stay with him? I think they probably do with Dennis, but but maybe do they let him go? Do they send him on loan? Um, you know, Araujo is set. Steris will be back. We don't know about people, you know, with the game that he played. If he can back that up, maybe he gets another look. So there are, you know, see, Sebastian Legette is okay. But some of these guys, even if the guys that aren't going to be back with the Galaxy and, and assume that or know that, they're playing to, um, you know, to show themselves off for other clubs, you know, that, that maybe somebody else will want to pick them up as a free agent or make a trade for them. So a, a lot of guys are auditioning right now in these last three games, including the Real Salt Lake game. And I think you saw that with Perry Kitchen. I think you'll probably see that going forward with, the, with some other guys trying to show that they deserve, a, you know, another look from the Galaxy or whomever, you know, wherever the, else they may wind up. Dom, of course, is doing that too. And I, you know, I, I, I just like Dom's approach, the idea of, of keeping it simple, but putting his stamp on the team with this high press, um, it, it just felt like a different team. And the way the players react to Dom, um, they seem to play harder. Now, it, it could be a couple of things. I think it's the reaction to Don to Dom, frankly. I think the players like him and respect him and want to play hard for him, which isn't to say they didn't for Guillermo, but I think their relationship with Guillermo was different. But two things with Dom, he, he gets a lot out of his players um, and the players, I think, were a little bit shocked by the firing. I think they knew it was coming. I think they knew what happened eventually. But, you know, when you see your coach cleaning out his locker and leaving and you know that you're responsible for that, it kind of makes you take a value, uh, you know, evaluate yourself and your own responsibility a little bit. I think uh, players talked about that afterwards as well, that uh, like S Sebastian Legette said, you know, that he understood why it was necessary, but it was still a sad day nonetheless. Uh, you, you broke. You, you talked about the coaching staff and how there was no coaching staff, which is, is interesting. You had Dom, and then you had Jovan Karofsky on the bench, basically doing the the cards, and then you had uh, all the athletic trainers who who were not part of uh, Guillermo's staff. Uh, they were there, but all the goalkeeper coach, all the assistant coaches, they couldn't get anybody in. Um, and uh, the reason they couldn't get anybody in is with the quarantine, there wasn't enough time to get people in. So you know you'd have to quarantine for ten days. As a matter of fact, Kevin, you and I and all the other members of the press were invited to be part of Dominic Kinnear's coaching staff. We uh, were. Yeah, do during the press conference, he said, you know, if you guys have all been tested regularly and you can you can prove that, I have a spot for you on my bench. Um, so unfortunately, uh, I, I was not being tested regularly, so I was didn't get to take this one in from the bench. Uh, but maybe next time. Maybe next time there's a global pandemic, I'll make sure I keep up on my testing. Uh, so that way I can I can be ready to, to hop onto uh, Dominic Kinnear's uh, bench there. So uh, And get that sweet MLS coaching pension. That's, <laughs> that's it. I just I think I think most people would do it for the gap 
Galaxy Anthem jacket, quite honestly. It was it was funny, too, because we've been seeing Dominic Kinnear as this assistant coach wearing, you know, sort of the warm-ups and, and all that stuff, and he came out in slacks and a shirt, and it just it was just interesting. It was just one of those things you're like, oh, yeah, he's the head, he's the head coach tonight, um, which, I, you know, I, I think that we were going to talk about coaches, and I think he should be considered for the position, absolutely. Um, the other thing I wanted to sort of point out, um, two things is one on Jonathan Dos Santos and one on uh, Dan Beckerman because uh, we did see uh, Dan Beckerman at the stadium again. And the the general uh, at least buzz that we have been uh, told is that Dan Beckerman is usually at these games. That's That was sort of, I, I think, the word that I, I got was usually at these games. I don't always see him. Um, so I can't be a hundred percent sure that he's there all the time, but I did see him at this particular game and I did see him the last game that I was there. So, so Dan Beckerman has been making himself, uh, known at these games. And so he's been keeping an eye on things as the AG president. I think as you would imagine, uh, that he does. Um, the other side of that is Jonathan Dos Santos and getting injured in the second half. Uh, we learned today from the LA Galaxy that the injury was a left calf strain. So it looked like there were a lot of bad things whenever Jonathan Dos Santos took what felt like eight minutes to get off the field and walk all the way to the tunnel. As a matter of fact, he got injured uh, and he was walking towards the tunnel for so long, Kevin, he actually saw Christian Pavone score the second goal before he was in the tunnel. And I think there was like a total of six or seven minutes between those two. Yeah, things was, he would. He w- yeah, he left the field in the 60th minute and Pavone scored in the 65th so yeah there you go it, it took a while it took a, it took a long while to, to get there so um it, the prognosis for jonathan dos santos is he's officially listed as questionable by the la galaxy um truly a questionable for wednesday questionable for sunday i would say just with what looked like the severity of that strain just from you know sort of the eye test um, that that left calf strain seems like it might be uh, on, on the more severe side. I, I'm just saying there's six days left in the in the season here, Kevin. We're recording on a Monday. Um, and unless the LA Galaxy somehow find a miracle and make it into the playoffs, which we'll give you those playoff scenarios here in just a little bit, it seems like Jonathan Dos Santos is out for the rest of the season. That's not a, yeah, that, I, that's not I, a I, long time, but it's out for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think questionable is Spanish for out for the rest of the season uh, for a couple of reasons. I mean, one is the Seattle game. If they don't win that, the season's over anyways. You're probably not going to play them. If they win the Seattle game, that makes it a tougher choice because then they play uh, the Vancouver game on turf, and, and a guy with a calf strain does not want to go on turf. So it, it's not the point is it's not looking good for poor Jonathan Dos Santos. Yeah, Joe Corona came into this game, um, so perhaps he will be the one who fits in and slides into that spot for Jonathan Dos Santos. Corona looked fine, which is good because he has not been playing all that much. Uh, he's been uh, going through an injury as well, so uh, he's back now, and, and that looks good. So, I mean, I would expect with Dominic Kinnear knowing that Seattle is coming on Wednesday is that the lineup that you see right now outside of Jonathan Dos Santos, who's now injured, uh, doesn't get changed very much. That Bingham's still in goal. You got Insua Gonzalez, Steris, and Arajo. Uh, by the way, uh, Dom talked about uh, Nick Depew and how Nick has been carrying an injury and has been real beaten up and is real tired as well. So if you noticed a sort of uh, decline in Depew's uh, 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 work rate or, or really his results and, and just how he's been playing, um, you that may be one of the reasons that you sort of look at that. So that was a little bit of a, a window in on some of that stuff. So um, it was funny. I, I think the, the best thing about Dominic Kinnear is just his understanding of the situation and his understanding of the league around him and, and just his ability to sort of take that, you know, one day at a time. And he started off, you know, right out of the press conference. Cause I asked him a, 
uh, a question on the game plan and just the team's execution of it, just trying to get a general feel for the game is the first question. Uh, and he comes out and he goes, first and foremost, really happy. He goes, I got a message from Bob. He goes, he goes, I got a message from Bob, Bob Bradley. And he says, I'm right there, buddy, right there with you. Um, and so basically that's alluding to Bob Bradley passing Dominic Kinnear to be, I think, uh, third all time uh, in MLS wins. And then uh, Dominic Kinnear won. Bob didn't play. So now Dominic has retied Bob Bradley. So they have a nice little fun thing going on. Uh, between those two things but it's that sort of attitude and and just his ability to to walk us through things um, which I think Guillermo was really good about in Spanish but wasn't great in English so um, whenever you get Dominic Kinnear able to to I think do both pretty well uh, he did he, he it's fun to listen to Dominic Kinnear I always have liked Dom so I'm, I'm sort of on on that Dom fanboy side I guess you know what's funny is is so Dom's an interim coach so he's not the permanent coach the Galaxy went into this week basically feeling the playoffs were done, even though they had a chance. They had a coach, but they had no hope. Now they have hope, but they have no coach, at least no permanent coach. It's kind of a big swing for one week. Yeah, it feels like it's a big swing for one week. Um, it feels like a lot of stuff has happened in a very short amount of time, and I think that that sort of uh, encompasses all of 2020. Um, as well, uh, Kevin, it feels like this whole year has been wait, wait, wait. Okay, now go. And everything happens within a relatively short amount of time. And for Kinnear coming in and, you know, just trying to make this change and, and trying to lead the Galaxy through these last three games, um, you know, it's a real sort of question mark about how the, the Galaxy finishes out um, and, and how they do that. So it's it feels crazy busy i feel like i haven't stopped going kevin here for like months on end it feels like all year has been like this but that hasn't been we you know we didn't play soccer for a very long time in between you know the start of the season uh the break for covid and then sort of re-emerging at the mls's back tournament in july um there was a lot of off time there uh and right now it doesn't feel like there's been any off time and things have monumentally shifted in terms of i think the health of the league the health of the la galaxy uh and when we'll get back to playing soccer as well so there's, there's you- yeah no, I was going to say, do you want me to go over the playoff scenario now? Yeah, why don't you get? Why don't you tell everybody sort of well, where it is? Because I know it's convoluted and and, yeah. and crazy, and we're going off points per game now. So everybody yeah, keep and, that in mind. And I, I worked up this for uh, my soccer newsletter, which comes out Tuesday at latimes.com. And I know that you are a faithful reader of the soccer newsletter, so I don't have to tell you about it. But um, in trying to do this, the scenario, you're right, it's points per game now, which makes it very difficult because you have to do the math for what if they get zero points? What if they get one point? What if they get three points or four points uh, in their last two games? And we're talking about four teams now. There are four teams battling for two spots, Colorado, the Galaxy, San Jose, and Vancouver. And to make things even worse, San Jose, their game with LAFC on, on Sunday was canceled because of a COVID-19 outbreak at LAFC. Uh, as of right now, as we're recording late Monday, L- uh, MLS has not said whether that game will be made up. Both LAFC and San Jose are not playing midweek. They have time to make the game up. It's an easy trip for LAFC up there and back. Um, and the game affects, as we said, these four teams in the spinner race. It also affects LAFC's postseason seeding. Right now they're fifth, meaning that they would open the playoffs on the road. Uh, if they play the, the two games that were scheduled, San Jose and Portland, they can move up a little bit in the points per game. But it, getting back to the Galaxy, basically if they lose another game, if they lose to Seattle and then they lose the Porcouver game in Vancouver, they're done. The only way through is for them to win both games. Now, even if they win both games, they need help. Otherwise, they need uh, if they if they're going to pass San Jose, they need San Jose 
uh, to lose one of its last two games or to not play the LAFC game and then lose or draw at Seattle. Uh, Vancouver is basically done. Vancouver needs everybody to lose everything, and then they can maybe sneak in. So that game, when the Galaxy goes up to Vancouver, or goes up to Portland rather than play Vancouver, I think uh, the Whitecaps are going to feel like they're done. Colorado's in the best position. Uh, they could pretty much get in with a point, and, they're, and they have two games scheduled. One point pretty much gets them in. But it's simple for the Galaxy. They need to win both games, and then they need a little bit of help. Not a lot of help. They do need a little bit of help. They need things to break the right way, especially with San Jose since Colorado is is almost uncatchable. Um, but they need things to break the right way. They need to win to take care of their own business, and then they need a little bit of help on the San Jose side, and they could sneak in. Now, is it a long shot? Yeah. But if we had told you this a week ago or 10 days ago or even two weeks ago that they still had this kind of a chance when they were in last place, I think you would have taken it. So that's what Sebastian was talking about. It feels like there's hope now where two weeks ago where maybe the situation was a little bit better mathematically, they felt they were out of it. Now they feel like they're in it. They're riding a little bit of momentum. But the Seattle game is going to be really tough. And I thought maybe the Galaxy could sneak up on the Sounders. I thought maybe the Sounders would be pointing to the playoffs a little bit and looking beyond this game. Remember, this game should have been played in August. This was the game that was postponed uh, in the during the Black Lives Matter protest, and uh, this was when it was scheduled to be remade up. So this game should have been played in August. But um, I talked to Brian Smetzer on the phone today, and uh, just to sort of feel him out about where the team is heading into the playoffs. And he talked about how angry his players are in their performance against Colorado over the weekend, and how these guys, um, uh, you know, really want to come out and prove themselves. They think they can climb a little bit higher up the ladder. Uh, they've already clinched the playoff berth. They want to be home on their turf throughout the playoffs. They need to win their last two games to do that. And um, I, I didn't expect that the Seattle team coming down here would be this fired up, but it really sounds like they are uh, out to prove a point, and the Galaxy may be the uh, the people that get stuck in the way. It's such an interesting dynamic. You know, the the fact is that the LA Galaxy are helped weren't helped out at all by the fact that Seattle didn't beat Colorado or at least didn't get a draw. I mean, really, because Colorado is going to finish this season, it looks like with 18 games played, uh, the LA Galaxy will finish with 22 games played and some teams will be 23 games played uh, in the Western Conference uh, because that sort of went that way. you know, Colorado has has moved a little bit further to being safe, um, and a little bit further away from the LA Galaxy. And then you get the the effect of Seattle. If they would have won against Colorado, maybe they're not as fired up coming into LA. And so you you have those two situations that sort of uh, br- didn't break well for the LA Galaxy that are working against them. You know, this this midweek on a Wednesday game. So um, it, it's it's kind of worst case scenario for the LA Galaxy to have you know the defending MLS Cup champions come in and try to um, you know smack around the LA Galaxy, who are very vulnerable to being smacked around, um, quite honestly. And, and even with the performance, the way that they played against RSL, I, I don't think that's anything close enough to, to really uh, take on Seattle and really punish Seattle. There, there's travel involved. Uh, Seattle, I think, had to go to Colorado. Um, and then now they'll be traveling down to LA. So that's short. That's helpful for the Galaxy. Uh, when you look at it, I think maybe the late time, the 8 p.m. plus plus, we'll say, uh, the 8 p.m. plus kickoff time probably works in the LA Galaxy favor a, a little bit just with the travel and trying to move that body clock back a little bit further. So that works, I think, in the LA Galaxy's favor. But 
Make no mistake about this, Kevin. I think Seattle's a far superior team right now. They're built better. Uh, Brian Schmetzer has and knows this team very well. Uh, you know, and, and this is a team that's that's really right now at in third place. Uh, whenever you look at the uh, the points per game, and actually in the points as well. So it, you know, straight up third place for Seattle, and they probably should be in those one of those top two spots. So this is going to be an important game for Seattle, and obviously it's it's you know sort of go home time for the LA Galaxy, and and so I think the prospect of the Galaxy getting past Seattle in this game are, are, are still pretty slim to me. Yeah, and, and I think I, I, I haven't done the math on everybody in the in the conference, but I think if Seattle wins out because Portland finishes uh, against LAFC at Bank of California, I think if Portland wins out, they still have a shot, an outside shot of perhaps finishing first in the conference and staying at home on turf for the rest of the regular season or for the rest of the playoffs. Which obviously would be what they would want to do. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a crazy time. By the way, uh, CCL Concacaf Champions League uh, just announced its return as well, and I think they're starting off in December, Kevin, and they're all playing right at one right spot. after the, yeah right after the playoffs. Yeah, it's going to be sort of a quarantine thing. It's hey, you know, it's uh, again everybody's trying to get soccer in before. Um, really before the end of the year and, and then sort of look at, see what's going to happen after the next year. So, um, but you, you know, you gotta be, but you, you gotta be careful with all this stuff because Ajax in, in the Netherlands just had a big blow up today with a bunch of players testing positive for COVID-19. So, um, you know, the world has changed a little bit since July. That, that was a big, uh, um, uh, what's the word, you know, COVID was breaking out all over the place then. I think we're back to that, maybe even a little bit worse now. So just the idea of going into a quarantine, it seems to be this panacea. If we go into a quarantine, it'll be great. It, it worked in Orlando. It worked for the NBA. Yeah, but things have changed a little bit. And now we have players that, that um, you know, uh, Raul Ruiz Diaz, you know, went home and played uh a Seattle player went home and played for Peru and woke up qualifiers, got COVID. You know what Brian Smetcher told me today, and I need to check this out with the league, but, you know, players that go away for international duty. So if, if Jonathan were to go or Ralph, if they were to go away for international duty for those World Cup qualifiers, and if the Galaxy made the playoffs, they would probably miss the first game, certainly, or certainly the first game, maybe the first two, because when they come back, they need to quarantine again. Do you know that Raul Ruiz Diaz does not need to quarantine again because he had COVID? So when he comes back from the Peruvian World Cup qualifier, according to Brian, he'll be able to play that first playoff game. Talk about a silver lining to a black cloud because uh, he got COVID. Yeah, he gets to play. Yeah, uh, that's that's it's n- crazy. That is that is nuts. Uh, it's it, again the world we're living in right now in soccer is is sort of a crazy one. Um, I wanted to get to some LA Galaxy news as well, um, and I wanted to talk about some, some coaches as well because I, I think those are the, the two big topics that we sort of have to cover and, and have to go over. But one of the things that uh, was announced and, and put out today, and by the way, uh, it closes at 2 p.m. tomorrow. So all of my media friends, if you're listening to this uh, and the LA Galaxy asks you to vote for player of the year or, or, or defender of the year for the team, for the LA Galaxy, not the league, uh, your deadline is 2 p.m. on Tuesday. So make sure you turn those in uh, for all the listeners and all the fans out there. I thought it would be interesting today. And so I told everybody. Well, that and, and, and if you don't, if you use the curbside service, the Texas Supreme Court may throw your vote out. So make sure you hand it in. They, they didn't today. Isn't that wasn't that the story? That well, they didn't they tried, though. Yeah. yeah. No, they didn't. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm not sure if MLS votes count the same way, though. I'll, I mean, you have to check. I'll, I'll, I'll double check with that with the LA Galaxy. But anyway, the ballots uh, are supposed to uh, supposed to be in by 2 p.m. tomorrow. You can just email them. So I, I don't think you need to travel anywhere. I think you're pretty, probably pretty good as long as you can put together an email, which for you might be difficult. So, yeah, we'll help. Out. Um, but basically, there's two things the media usually uh, vote on, and I say usually because 
sometimes they take that vote away and decide to do a fan vote. So that way Giovanni Dos Santos can steal the, the player of the year award from Yellow Van Dom, um, which is what happened in 2018, I believe. No, 2017. No, 2018. 2018. And you're, and you're still bitter about it. I, it's ridiculous. It was one of the most, it, it was most clear things that you've ever seen in terms of, oh, well, we don't want Yellow Van Dom to win both of these things, the defender of the year and player of the year, which by the way, would have been the first time ever in LA Galaxy history that a Defender of the Year was also named Player of the Year. We don't want that. How how we just we can't have that. So uh, instead, it was a fan vote, and then it was manipulated by the people who were putting that out, which was, hey, get Giovanni Dos Santos to tweet it out, so that way he'll he'll have all these votes because right? he has a large Twitter following. And what do you know? He won. Oh, what a big surprise! But I'm not. I'm over it now, so I don't have to talk about it anymore. Well, uh, that's that. I know what you're, where you're going with this, and and I guess I should just be open. That's why I don't vote in these things anymore because <laughs> I think they are manipulated. Well, I mean, I certainly think that it's harder to manipulate them uh, whenever you ask the media to see. Here's the thing is, I kind of you know, know what it was. Russian interference is what did that. You keep blaming it on the galaxy. <laughs> yeah, it was it, Russian it, interference. It was, it was Putin. He was really against Yellow Van Dom being named player of the year. Um, no, I think it's hard. It, I'll, I'll tell you, it's harder to do that right now if you're going to give the media the vote. One is that there aren't that many media members who actually get the vote. So I kind of know everybody who's voting. And, yeah, and we all talk to each other. And we all talk to each other. So I kind of know where the vote is going to go. So if there is a result that is wildly different from what I, I sort of know to be true, um, then I can certainly ask the questions. Last year, by the way, uh, I was sort of able to find out wh- who finished first and second and, and sort of in all these different categories. That's usually not released um, but we're asked to pick for player of the year um, the 2020 LA Galaxy player of the year award will be awarded to the player judged to be the player that's see many times we can say player player judged to be the player most valuable to the club's success during the MLS regular season um, and so we have to pick or we don't technically have to pick three but I always think it's a fun exercise Kevin to pick your first place your second place and your third place vote for those and then we were asked to do the same for defender of the year and there's some things I have to point out about player of the year it is not an offensive award which means that it is not just dedicated to people who score goals or on the offensive side it is the you know the team MVP the team player of the year uh, which makes I think this selection just kind of easy um, this there's only one first place person that's going to win this and then after that you can argue about who's second and third and I think uh, talking to some of the mi- members of the media that today uh, there's some arguments about who's second and third but it doesn't really matter because everybody knows who the first one is so there's that um, and then defender of the year doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have you know a D next to your name as a defender you can be a goalkeeper you can be a midfielder you can be all you can be you know if you're a striker but you play a whole bunch of defense and you're integral to the part to, to to the defensive side of things as a striker, you could you could vote a, def- a striker as defender of the year as well. So um, that would kind of be a slap in the face to uh, to the defenders, but you could do that um, whenever you look at it. So you know, I I, I put out on uh, on social media today, Kevin, asking for people's suggestions on on who they would vote for. I already had mine picked. I already wrote it down, so I wasn't influenced by anybody who said anything. But I always like to share my votes that way. You guys can hold me accountable and say you're a moron. Um, and do that. So, Kevin, if you were Wait, accountable yes. and MLS in the same sentence, hey, that's not that doesn't work. This is why we're an independent producer of content because we're allowed to be all those things: transparent, independent, um, accurate. Is that what you call this content? Yeah, it's something. <laughs> that's what we call it. It's, I've heard I've heard other names used, but it's it's something, yeah, Kevin. We'll when, go with content. When you figure out that you and I that I talk to you sometimes more than my wife, um, it, it has to be something because well, I'm more interesting. I don't think that's true at all. I, <laughs> I, I know that. I'm not any. I'm not cuter, but 
but I'm probably absolutely more not. No, you're not. <laughs> you lose both of those. I, I will tell you straight up. You lose both of those. Um, but let's go to the to the player of the year. Um, because this one's, I think, the easier one. If you were going to vote, and I know that you have your reasons for not voting, um, but if you were going to, which vote, you just explained, yeah, well, I mean, that's fine. I have no problems with okay. that. Uh, you're 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 allowed to abstain. Um, it just it just means I know the the outcome of it even more exact. With one less person, I I, I know the percentages are going to be anyway. Um, who was your Who was your player of the year? Alone, I don't think there's any question. And I think my other two in that category would be Legette and Araujo and. We can argue about what order they're going. I would probably put a Rajo uh, third and, and Legit second just because I, I've already got a Rajo uh, up for another award. So I'm just trying to, you know, share the wealth a little bit. But yeah, it would be Pavone, Legit, and an Rajo for me. Yeah, uh, and I have Pavone, Rajo, and Legit. Um, which I, I think if he goes two or three or three or two, however you look at Araujo and Legette, that's fine. Um, they're not winning it, so it doesn't really matter. Um, Pavone is going to win that award. I mean, I hate to, I hate to surprise everybody, but guess what? Pavone's going to win that award. Um, the, the more interesting one certainly is Defender of the Year, and I heard a lot of people saying there should be no Defender of the Year. They give up too many goals. They're a horrible def- defensive team. All true, by the way. Um, but even in the dark days, uh, you'll remember, Kevin, that Leonardo was once named the LA Galaxy Defender of the Year. So even in the darkest of days, somebody gets to be named defender of the year there's no that's no different this year but i will say that i think that the person who i'm going to vote defender of the year um truly has had a very good defensive year um in fact i think the best defensive year out of anybody by quite a a large margin um i think there's two players who really are sort of in this um and then i have a surprise sort of uh uh, person in there as well so if you were going to vote for defender of the year who do you have well, first of all, you know they've given up 101 goals in the last two seasons, and with this being a shortened season, they've already given up 42 goals like this, the Galaxy we're talking about. They're on pace to give up 71 goals in a year, which would be a record. Yes. Having said all that, um, I would take uh, Araujo first. Um, I think I, I like Insu. I think he's had a good, solid season. I would probably put him second. And Steris third, and you can argue about, you know, maybe uh, someone else should be in there. The, the reason I give Steris a lot of uh, – um, uh, what's the word? A, credit. a lot of credit for this. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, the reason I give Steris a lot of credit is, um, you know, the versatility, moving around, changing positions, especially here late in the season, to give people a chance to get back in the lineup at his strongest position. Also, when the team was going poorly, Steris had the armband quite a, quite a bit, and that's a difficult position to put a player in. To have him be the captain, the leader, the guy who speaks for a team that is not doing well, and Dan. Uh, you know, came to all of the media uh, availabilities that he was asked to come to, came to all the post-game shows or post-game Zoom conferences and spoke and and did a good job and was honest. And that is a really hard thing to do. And we know it's hard because we don't see any of these other veterans do it all the time. I think Sasha Kleshin might have been the other exception, came a lot. We didn't ever see Chicharito. We didn't see Jonathan all that much. Um, but Dan Steris was there all the time. It's a tough job. He took the armband and he was accountable. So he gets some credit for that as as well as I thought he had a pretty good season on the field, but I would take a Rajo and Sue. They're probably head and shoulders above Dan yeah. as far as my voting goes. Yeah, I think if you're looking at two two defenders that you really want to put in Defender of the Year, it's it's those two. I have a Rajo as my number one. Uh, I have Emiliano and Sue as my number three. Uh, the other person who we've already mentioned on this podcast today is uh, as Defender of the Year. I think Perry Kitchen deserves a nod in there. Whether he's two or three, you can certainly have an argument for that. Um, I think that Kitchen's been put in a lot more difficult situations than in Sue this year. I'm not always 100% love in Sua, but I'll be in Sua is an average plus 
um, defender in Major League Soccer, and that's a good place to be in MLS. Um, it was funny. I was on a, I was invited on a, a podcast over the weekend, which it was about a month in the making. These guys did a did a great job, but they're all over in the UK, Kevin. Uh, so it was it was fun to reach out across the pond, and it was you know twelve o'clock my time, twelve p.m. on noon Sunday, and it was you know eight p.m. on their time. We we got to chat a little bit, but um, the the name of the podcast is Four on Goal. Um, and if you go to their social media, it's, it's for, um, F O U R on goal, um, for that. And you can, you can catch my, my, my small appearance on there, but they were talking about Emiliano and Sue obviously played for Liverpool and is well known in the UK. Um, they were talking about, you know, Jonathan Dos Santos. They were talking about, uh, Chicharito, which was a really interesting conversation. I, I can share that one here in a second. Um, but basically, you know, they were talking about in and I'm like, he's a, he's a very, he, he's a good defender for major league soccer. And I go being, you know, an MLS, they don't spend a lot of money on defenses um looking at what they get for insua is is great i think that he could work on his crossing i think that there could be some other sort of creative things that you could do with him in terms of letting him run inside more um but overall he's he's a solid defender and i don't think you need to, to worry about him next year you keep him and, and you keep rolling with insua um you know on that left back i think right back is a little bit more of a question only because i'm not sure julian araujo stays um, so past this winter. So we'll see if that ends up happening. But if, if he stays, then Julian Araujo is your starter there and you get to figure well, out whether or not you're keeping Rolf Felcher. Well, here's here's a couple more things about Insua. And, and I don't have any problem with your vote, but just, you know, Insua and Pavone are the only two guys who started 20 games this season. Insua is second in minutes to Pavone. So the point is he's a solid guy. He's always there. Yeah, he's not the flashiest guy. He's not Ashley Cole, uh, you know, as an outside back, but he is there. He's solid. Doesn't make a ton of mistakes. High work rate. Um, and, you know, he played a couple of days after his wife gave birth, which famously another player on the team did not do, which is fine. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, every pregnancy is different and I'm not going to criticize anyone else for that. I'm just going to say that in Sue, did show up. And I think in a difficult season like this, to me, one of the things you look at is character, you know, who was there, who was trying, who never gave up, who didn't quit. Um, you know, whose work rate was high, who was dedicated to the team, who didn't take the easy way out and say, we're not going to the playoffs. It doesn't matter anymore. And Sue never did any of those things. Uh, I thought he worked really hard. Um, um, you, you almost didn't notice him, I, you know, at times. And, but he grew on me as the season progressed. And I think the fact that he was that he was there, that he worked hard, that he played all the time, um, you know, he gets one of my defender of the year votes. Yeah, even though I'm not casting any. Even though you're not casting any, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm not going to disagree with that. Again, there's all these reasons that I think you all that we find ways to vote for these guys, um, and I think as fans, you can sort of look at that and, and find guys that you would want to vote for as well. So uh, expect that information to come out. The Galaxy have their last home game on Wednesday, so that should be handed out post-game on Wednesday, um, or however they're going to end up doing it, being it's not going to be in front of anybody, and so they have to figure out a way to do that. So um, I imagine with the ballots closing at 2 p.m. on Tuesday, uh, that that will be a, a pretty quick count, and I'll do my best to get um, the results, although they're never officially released. I'll do my best to get those results so we sort of understand where everybody fell in all of that. Um, CNN might have a little bit earlier. <laughs> If, if we haven't said it, which we haven't, make sure you go out and vote tomorrow if you haven't done it. I mean, I'm pretty much uh, one of these people who says that uh, regardless of your your political affiliation, I want you to vote. Um, and I actually mean that. It's not just like, you know, some nice thing to say. Uh, go out and vote if, if that's the way you feel. So that way you can make sure that your voice is heard. So if you haven't done it, go out and vote. I already did. I know Kevin already did. So we're both checked in. Yeah. And, and you know what? You don't want to miss this one. I mean, I know that sometimes it's like, does it really matter? Um, you know, I, you know, I don't feel strongly about either candidate, whatever. There's over 100 million people that have already voted. This yeah. is like the Super Bowl. You want to be a participant in this one. This is not one where 
you know, three or four weeks from now, or three or four months, someone says, "Hey, did you, you know how was your voting experience?" And you say you didn't do it. Yeah, uh, you know, you're gonna be the outlier. You gotta gotta go do it. Everyone's doing it this year. It's the new thing. If it, it's one of those fun things that um, you could be a part of history in terms of the turnout because uh, they, they they're running some some number, and the overall voter turnout in the United States has usually fallen below sixty percent, and I think it has since the seventies or the sixties um, that it falls below sixty percent. So all the eligible voters turning in a ballot that's below sixty. The only time it came real close to 60% was when uh, Barack Obama was uh, 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 voted in his first time. Um, it, those were the numbers, and, and it got to 58%. With the number of votes that are being cast right now already in early, and then which is expected to happen on Tuesdays, uh, it actually could crest the 60%, which would be sort of uh, historic in terms of maybe America's well, reawoken to some political active uh, activity. So, Well, uh, you know, in Belgium, it's like 87 or 89% because it's compulsory, which my wife said. And she obviously caught right, right on to the, uh, the, the the discrepancy there. If it's compulsory, why is it not 100%? Well, I guess people are sick or, you right. know, whatever. You know, taxes are compulsory here and not everybody pays. <laughs> um, but but uh, think about this. What if there were like 120,973,000 people that voted and we missed the record by one yeah, and it, you were the guy that didn't go vote? Yeah, I would Wouldn't be, you feel terrible? I, I would feel terrible. I already voted, so I don't have to worry. But yes, I would feel terrible if, that, if it was my fault. You know, even if it's within 100, I'm sure we can convince somebody. Anyway, sidetrack. Uh, let me talk real quick. Uh, on that podcast I was at, Four on Goal, uh, one of the guys is a West Ham fan and he was talking about Chicharito and it was just an interesting conversation to have because you have somebody who watched Chicharito and uh, he was sort of asking, he's like, well, you know, have the Galaxy figured anything out? And I'm like, no, they haven't. I go, you know, there's a lot of talk about him not being played in the proper position, not being played in the proper formation. And it was funny. He goes, yeah, he goes, we went through that. You know, we did that. And ultimately he ended up getting benched and that sort of solved the problems more than anything, which I thought was a really interesting take to sort of look at possibly what comes in the future with you know, West Ham not being able to figure out the best position for Chicharito and eventually that sort of goes downhill and, and he doesn't play anymore. Um, you know, the LA Galaxy seem to be sort of on that same collision path right now. Uh, just uh, an interesting sort of uh, talk uh, with these guys. And if you want to catch that again, four on goal, uh, they were great to me. So I'll, I'll happily t- uh, go on their podcast anytime. And here's a great segue for you because I was going to say, and don't think that that um, what he was talking about with trying to please Chicharito and find a position. Don't think that's not going to impact the coaching st- search because right. Chicharito was signed for at least another year at six million. They've already invested sixteen million in him. Uh, there are some um, bonuses. I'm going to take a wild guess and uh, say that he's not a, he did not accrue any bonus money given his season. But he also has an option for a third year. So you know they could be another twelve million into this guy. They've got to figure out how to make this work. And I know that you have a long list of coaching candidates, and we both agree that one of the, the long, long, long shots is Javier Aguirre. But um, also on that list is uh, um, Juan Carlos Osorio. The, the, the last three Mexican national team coaches are on that list. Right. They've all coached Chicharito. They all, he's all performed for them. He's all started for them in a World Cup. Right. Um, so, um, you know, Herrera is the one in the middle. So it's Osorio, Herrera, and Javier Aguirre. I bring up Javier Aguirre because – Chicharito had his best year in the national team for Javier Aguirre in, in 2010. Um, yes, he was a different player. He's a younger player, but certainly uh, those two were able to make things work. Uh, even though there were some questions about Chicharito starting in the World Cup and he had to prove himself, um, those two were able to make things work. So, uh, you know, with Dennis DeClosa's close relations with the Mexican national team program, with the fact that those three guys have a history of success with Chicharito, I think they at least uh, are talked about, if not actually formally interviewed for the job. And 
I, you know, I, I, I personally hope it doesn't become a Kobe situation where Chicharito is given veto power of the, who the new coach is, is going to be because that's not the way a team should work. But I, I do think it would be naive to uh, assume that Chicharito's happiness is not going to impact the search at all. Well, let, let's be very clear that Kobe Bryant gets to uh, get veto power because of who Kobe Bryant was and the results that he was able to put forward. Um, Chicharito has done nothing of that sort with the LA Galaxy and gets zero you know, input and say into that, and that's as it should be as well. If this was Landon Donovan in his peak and all the things that Landon Donovan had done, you probably talked to Landon about the coach. Uh, you know, That's not the same thing that's happening with, with, with Javier Hernandez, or at least it shouldn't be. And I think that's sort of uh, one of those things you have to keep an eye on is, is exactly who, who is making this decision and what is the reason for the decision. I think it's clear... Kevin, that if you look at Dennis DeClosa and who he is most comfortable with having worked for the Mexican Federation, uh, knowing a lot of uh, uh, Mexican coaches and, and South American, uh, North American, Central American, South American coaches, that they're probably going to be looking somewhere in there. Um, I'm going to give you the list of about 15 that we've sort of come up with so far. And I don't think, I think there's people missing on this. And I think that some of these are just ridiculous long shots. Oh, and by the way, before you go on, yeah. just because I don't want to lose that thought, you you mentioned the difference between Kobe and, and Chicharito. Also, there's a difference between basketball and soccer in the way that's t- typically looked at. I remember talking to Bruce Arena about when he, and Tim Laiwiki too, about when Bruce was hired as coach in, t- in t- 2008. Remember, that was the middle of the third straight losing season. When Bruce came on, he took the team to MLS Cup Finals four times in the next six years. That team that he took over had Landon Donovan and David Beckham, and they were famously feuding. They didn't get along. My understanding from talking to Tim and Bruce is that um, Landon and David were never consulted on the coach. But Bruce was. Bruce was asked, can you get these guys on the same page? Can you work with these guys? And he said yes. And that was all they needed. They didn't have to go to David and Landon and say, will you listen to this guy? I kind of think that's the way it should be. But anyway, go on. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're fine. Um, But here is is sort of the list. And I I think we've incorporated a lot of people that should be considered. And we know that, uh, well, we've at least heard rumors from ESPN that perhaps one of them has already been contacted. Uh, But I think right now at the top of my list is going to be Dominic Kinnear. Um, And in in future shows, we're really going to break this down more. So so just understand we're throwing names out right there now and we're going to see what sticks uh, sticks on the wall. So Dominic Kinnear, uh, Juan Carlos Osorio, I think is, is high on that list. Uh, Greg Vanny uh, over at Toronto, uh, Miguel Herrera at America, uh, Dave Sarakin, uh, Javier Aguirre, uh, Ezra Hendrickson, Jill Ellis, uh, Robbie Keane, Gonzalo Pineda, uh, Patrick Vieira was mentioned, Jason Kreiss, Chris Armas, uh, Jurgen Klinsman, and at the very bottom of the list, and I think this one's even more laughable than some of the ones above it, uh, is Landon Donovan in there as well. So those were sort of the ones that we came up with. Uh, the one rumor that we sort of have has reemerged, uh, and ESPN is reporting that Robbie Keane is in play for manager uh, for the LA Galaxy, which is interesting because uh, at least according to the ESPN reports and certainly some of the discussions that I've had as well, the LA Galaxy are denying this one pretty hardcore here, Kevin. Um, they've, they, they don't see this, and I think the, the big hiccup that we've sort of seen is they're unwilling to make a commitment to somebody like Robbie Keane, knowing he hasn't had any head coaching experience. 
And, and and Lord knows that the, the galaxy would never mislead us in any way, shape, or form. The the list that you went on over is pretty interesting. When you look at uh, Miguel Herrera, I don't think he leaves Club America. Uh, I know a lot of Galaxy fans are going to argue with me, but I think it, moving from Club America to the, to the Galaxy is actually a step down. Um, you know, Club America is a major club with major resources in Mexico, and and it, where the ga- maybe the Galaxy that Bruce Arena had, if he'd come in at 2016, it might be a different story. But I think this is a still a little bit of a rebuilding project uh, Osorio you know he coached 67 games in MLS didn't do all that well but he he has experience with the league he knows how the league works his kids were born in the United States he's bilingual he wants to come back to the U.S. and wants to come back to MLS so he's motivated I think he's a good guy I agree with you I think Dom has proven that he can do it the players relate to him he knows the league he's unflappable he's loyal He's all those things that you want in a coach. But here's the problem. Um, this, is, by the way, is the most important hire the Galaxy have made, I think, since 2008. We're not talking about players. We're talking about you know front office coaches, those things. This is the most important hire since Bruce Arena, and it's in the same situation. This is a turnaround project. This isn't a take us to the MLS Cup tomorrow. This is build a foundation. And Dennis has already started that with the academy, but he needs a coach to be part of that. And the problem with – with Dom is I think Dom is the solid guy and I think he's going to be the most successful. But the problem is he comes off as the safe choice. He's kind of the vanilla choice here. The guy that um, is not going to grab a lot of headlines and the galaxy right now are a team that seems to love swinging for the fences. And unfortunately in the last four years, they've swung for the fences and they've struck out a lot. Right. Um, at Dom is the guy. He kind of hits the ball behind the runner and you know moves guys along and plays a you know a, a fundamental baseball. He's going to get them to the playoffs. They are going to be a successful team, but they're not going to be the New England Patriots of, of MLS. They're not going to be the Bill Belichick, Tom Brady team. And I think the Galaxy want those headlines. So I think they look at a splashy um, uh, candidate. Maybe you know they, they loved having Robbie Rogers as the first gay player in MLS. Maybe that makes them lean a little bit to Jill Ellis to be the first woman coach. I, I, by the way, I think Jill would do a fantastic job. But that's the kind I think the Galaxy are looking for a splash, and I think that's why Dom got a little bit overlooked last time. Uh, the other thing is, is Dom, it, it, you know, when you look at him putting, um, uh, uh, you know, taking Klinsman out in goal and putting Bingham back there, going back with people over Dupuis, and I know Dupuis's been hurt, you know, been hurt a little bit and banged up. But Dom is a guy who loves veterans. He's loyal to veterans. And uh, with Dennis trying to build the academy, I wonder if that would be an issue as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, the familiarity with, with Dominic Kinnear in this this club, I mean, you know, assistant under Siggy Schmidt, so you're talking that, you know, Kinnear goes back four years um, or at least three years with this club. Um, and you, you look at that, and that's sort of invaluable of understanding, already understanding the academy. So there's a lot of pluses for Dominic Kinnear. I would say the LA Galaxy should probably sway away from Sexy. Um, sexy hasn't worked well for them um, in, in recent years. And I think that with the unknown uh, thing that's sort of hanging out there of when MLS is going to restart next year, um, what next year is even going to look like and, and how compact the schedule is or, or you know, at, at what point, you know, I'm hearing May and June is a, more of a possibility than probably February uh, for next year. Uh, and MLS seems very much uh, against restarting without fans in the stadium. They need that. They need that gate. And Kevin, you've talked about that so many times. Um, I think it's a, it's a really important point to sort of look at. So, you know, trying to get sexy in here, you're going to have another sort of abbreviated season. It may be 34 games, but it'll be really condensed so it's going to be hard to sort of tell what you get so 
maybe Dominic Kinnear is the guy who has gone through this and sort of gets to put things together and, and make things happen. I think that, uh, you know, looking at, at, at Vanny as well, um, is another really interesting Greg Vanny up at, Van, up at uh, Toronto. Uh, his contract is up. Now, Toronto is sort of in that same posi- position with Seattle, which is has been competing for MLS Cups the last couple of years, but it feels like Toronto is on the edge of sort of rebuilding. Um, and so if they don't make it in a deep run, if they don't win an MLS Cup, if they don't do it, perhaps Vanny decides to leave um, with the Galaxy correct connection. Uh, maybe Greg Vanny uh, coming to LA makes a whole bunch of sense as well. well so, yeah. I, I I agree with you on Dominic. I didn't make, mean to to make it sound like I was making an argument why he wouldn't get it. Well, I was making an argument why he might, what, might not get it. But if I were um, in charge of this, if I were Dennis Close, I would take a definitely a long look at at Dominic Kinnear for all the things you just said. And then it adds on other things. It tells the players we're loyal to you. This is the guy you like. We're going to bring him back. It tells other people in the organization if you work hard and 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 keep your nose clean. You know, and and you're a a good soldier. You're going to be promoted. That was one of Bruce Arena's keys, and everyone knows. Uh, you know, I love Bruce Arena, and I, I, you know, he walks on water as far as I'm concerned. But you talk to guys like Matt Reese, Dave Sarakin, um, you know, uh, Bainey, uh, uh, I, I was going to say Pat like, Noonan, yeah. Greg Burhalter, all these guys, Chris Klein, even um, all those guys. You know, Bruce was loyal to them, and that. Paid dividends big time, and even in New England now, Kurt Anuffo on his staff. So you know, it, by promoting Dom and giving him the job that he deserves, and doing it quickly, don't make this a drawn out thing. Uh, if you're going to do it, do it quickly. I think that sends all the right messages. Now, the another problem is, and and again, I, I, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I talked to Brian Smetzer, the Seattle coach. You're talking about Greg Vaney. Um, you know, Brian Smith has won, uh, it's been to, I think, three MLS Cups now since 2016, won two of them, beat Toronto both times. Um, he is, his contract is is up at the end of the season. He has not signed a new one. He said that he is in negotiations with Garth Langerway, who is the general manager there. He doesn't understand why it's taken this long, but it, there it is. They're still doing it. But one thing, you talk about loyalty. One thing that Brian told me on the phone is that he wanted to make very clear is, he didn't want to talk about himself, but he said, I do not understand why Seattle has not signed all of my assistants. And he said, my assistants, are it's the best assistant coaching staff in the league. Of course, the coach is going to say that. He went down and, and explained to me what each guy does and why they're valuable and didn't understand why those guys weren't signed. And it's like, sign those guys and you you get the head coach. Uh, I, I'm wondering if, if that thing t- really turns south and gets ugly there and they're not going to sign the coaches. Remember, before Bruce left for the national team, you know, Dave was was pretty much shown the door and, and kicked out. And that was one thing that I sent, I think set Bruce off a little bit. If this thing turns ugly in Seattle and they can't get contracts for all of Brian's assistant coaches, would he look at the Galaxy? And remember, there are no assistant coaches in Galaxy Land right now. That staff is gone. What if Brian Smetzer said, I don't have a contract, nor do any of my assistant coaches. We come as a package. Do you guys want us? Man, it would be hard to say no to a guy with the success that he's had. I think Brian would have a really hard time leaving Seattle, but if he was up to do that and if the coaching staff came, um, man, I think that, I think the galaxy would really have to look at that. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting situation. And I don't have Brian Smetzer on my, on my list, but um, it's certainly, again, right now, I think that there's going to be a lot of stuff sort of thrown against the wall, Kevin, and we're not really going to know where everything lands here for quite some time. It feels like the off season is, is when that's going to happen and more looking at January. And if you heard that uh, Javier Garrity went on uh, counterattack and was talking about two MLS teams that had offered him or at least uh, discussed positions with him. And so he did, 
did the interviews. He gave them their CVs. Um, I would imagine that the LA Galaxy are one of those. Um, I don't know that for sure, but it seems like that could be the case as well. So um, looking at all these things, a lot of decisions. Well, who else is LA looking Galaxy. for a coach? Yeah, I mean, are, aren't they, aren't, I was going to say, aren't they the only – Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah, so yeah. that would be the two teams. It's the only two teams looking for coach. <laughs> there you go. So, see, we figured it okay. out very easily. Or it's somebody who possibly is looking to make a change. That was easy. You're, yeah. good, you're good at that. <laughs> what do you know? Um, so, anyway, so that's that's where we stand sort of on the coaching front um, and where that goes. Uh, I'm going to be team Dominic Kinnear here for, for quite a while um, unless uh, somebody can really convince me otherwise. Um, and I see people saying, no, it needs to be a bigger change. And Dom is, you know, MLS 1.0. MLS 1.0 is doing just fine for Dominic Kinnear and his interim manager, um, you know, stints. And I certainly don't want to just base everything off of that. But, you know, Dominic Kinnear has uh, has won two MLS Cups. Um, I think he they, they almost credit him more than Frankie Yellup uh, with getting San Jose two more after Dominic Kinnear uh, left as well um, to, to take over with, the Houston, with Houston and stuff like that. So, I mean, this is a guy who's had success. And everybody thinks that Dominic Kinnear is about 100 years old, um, which is, is I, I don't know, probably not a great compliment to Dominic Kinnear. Uh, having said that, Kevin, he's 50-51. I think he's fifty-two, actually. Okay, so fifty-two. He's he's not old. Young, young fit, yeah, early fifties. He's a guy who who could be around for the galaxy and and who could be a stable. Listen, somebody's got to sort of stabilize this thing more than anything, Kevin. Um, somebody's got to build this back up to where the team has depth, uh, to where they're covered in all positions, and to where they're put fielding uh, competitive MLS playoff type teams on a regular basis again. And so far, anybody who's come in has has either not had the time or has failed miserably at it. So um, maybe Dominic can answer that that guy. You know, I just said if they're going to do Dom, they should do him quickly, and, and and I believe that that's true. But I don't think it's going to happen quickly, because uh, you know, in speaking to Dennis, he talked about the pandemic, the difficulty of getting people from overseas. If that's where he decides to go, and he wasn't saying he was going to do that, but he said if they decided to do that, getting people from overseas here to interview in person can be difficult right now. You know, the, the galaxy might wait for that to open up, and, and as you mentioned, with the season being pushed back, there's no rush. That you know, you if you decide that maybe you want to. Coach from Mexico or there's a coach in Europe that you might be interested in you don't want to you know commit to somebody in January knowing that you don't have camp for another four months you commit to them in January and then in February the guy you really wanted becomes available you know uh, for some reason remember that the galaxy appeared to have uh, an agreement with Porter to come here Porter wound up going to Columbus but they appeared to have an agreement with Porter and then Guillermo uh, became available sort of at the last second, and that was the guy that Dennis really wanted, and they were pretty far down the road on hiring a coach, and then Dennis sort of halted everything and circled back and got uh, and got Guillermo. So, uh, you know, I, I think Dennis is going to be a little bit deliberate on this. I don't think he's going to rush. I think he wants to make sure that, uh, uh, you know, no one becomes available, but um, you know, I, I, I just can't see – any reason why Dom doesn't deserve the job other than he's not the big sexy guy and right now big and sexy is not working for the galaxy yeah seems not to all right uh, la galaxy have a game coming up 8 p.m kickoff time it's nationally televised uh coming up for the uh la galaxy on wednesday as they host the seattle sounders former or the defending mls cup champions again november 4th 8 p.m on unamas and tudn and of course on twitter so you're able to follow hey, find that wherever you want well, yes let's watch and see what coaching box Brian Seltzer, uh, Seltzer goes to. Seltzer goes to. Spencer, yeah, yeah. I was Brian Seltzer too. That guy too. <laughs> yeah. Where, wherever that he's guy a, goes. He is a- <laughs> 
<laughs> Stray cats. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, wherever that Brian Seltzer goes, that Schmetzer seems to follow. So, you know, that's yeah. sort of the, the tip-off no, that you want to watch. Yeah, we, we, we're going to fix that in editing. No, no, we're not. Absolutely <laughs> not. I don't I do not do editing. It takes too much time, as people can probably tell uh, as it goes. LA Galaxy currently sitting in uh, 10th place in the Western Conference. That puts them at a mean, let's see, 19th position overall in Major League Soccer whenever you factor in points per game. So uh, a little jump up in the standings for the LA Galaxy. Uh, possibly finishing last is a lot harder for them to do, but watch them lose two games and see how everything shakes out um you know and and that's sort of how it goes uh again big game on wednesday the galley galaxy if they lose they're out if they win they can at least uh proclaim that on the last day of uh decision day on sunday november 8th at 3 30 p.m pacific time that they will be able to play the vancouver whitecaps with a chance to get into the playoffs it's uh it's the hope that kills you kevin as we've said many many times so we'll see if uh the la galaxy can keep that hope just a little bit longer through wednesday hey, did, and did you give sunday dominic's record as an interim coach did, i don't think i did, did. We do that at the beginning this is a second stint as an interim coach four two and one right four, two and one i think i think that's what we're going with right now we, we looked it up quickly beforehand so i'm sure somebody will correct us uh, yeah if, if we get it wrong but yeah uh that's not horrible that's not horrible if you, if you if you look at that you know no and you and remember he they were going to the playoffs in 2018 to the second half against Houston so he was 45 minutes actually 17 minutes when that goal was scored that knocked them out of the playoffs so and they missed by one point and now he's got them you know with a chance to do it again oh heartbreak heartbreak on Sunday if they beat the Sounders there's going to be some real pressure on the LA Galaxy and and they haven't had to play a real pressure game in a while um, so it'll be interesting to see again a lot of stuff coming so uh, make sure you watch the LA Galaxy game on Wednesday we'll have a podcast on Thursday uh, that will get you ready for the last game of the regular season for 2020 looks like we we made it through so hope everybody's staying safe uh, go out and vote as we've once again said uh, Kevin uh, anything else you want to get to no, I've interrupted you a lot tonight. I apologize for that. I was a little aggressive tonight. You were, well, the, pan- the panda was feeling his bamboo tonight. No, apparently. <laughs> it's a family show. I'm not sure you're allowed to say that. All right. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11 and head over to LATimes.com. Make sure you subscribe to Kevin's soccer newsletter. You'll get a lot of information about the LA Galaxy in there and about uh, soccer in general in Southern California and around the United States, especially with some U.S. men's national team call-ups coming as well. You'll want to follow Kevin uh, right there, LATimes.com. Make sure you go there. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at JSman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. All of our articles, all of our podcasts, all of that fun stuff, previews, recaps can be found right there on cornerofthegalaxy.com. All right, for Mr. Kevin the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Guessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.